This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. morning. What a beautiful day in the neighborhood. We are out of Bibles. You guys who normally need Bibles picked them up on your way in, which is great. Uh, So if you need a Bible, I would recommend you pulling one up on your phone if you don't have one. We have the blessings of technology with that. And we are in Philippians chapter 4 this morning, continuing our series through Philippians, It's All in Your Head. And the title of today's message is Focus. Now, we don't normally do this, but today's a special case. Um, I don't usually ever just settle and stay on one or two verses, We cover, I like to look at the big picture and kind of have a a step away kind of view at at the text most of the time. But today we're focusing on just two verses and we have eight points. So if you're a note taker or not a note taker, I'd like you to take notes. And the calendar in your seat back on the opposite side of that calendar with all of our events and everything is a a spot for you to take notes. So if you want to follow along as we go through those eight points in these two verses in chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, I would love and encourage you to do that. I know that you will be blessed. Let's look and start in verse 8, and we'll, we'll jump in. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just... Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning knowing that your word is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, even dividing and piercing. And and God, we pray that our hearts this morning will be soft with fertile soil to receive your word, that it would produce fruit to your glory. We're anticipating hearing from you. We thank you, God, for this time every week for all the services that we get to come together and honor you with singing songs, studying your word, and through our tithes and offerings. Bless your word, Father, we pray in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Pictures are pretty incredible. If you think about it, we maybe don't take it so seriously anymore, but you're taking a little machine, whatever you want to call it, and and you're pushing a little button and snapping and freezing a moment in time forever. 
How many of you have photo albums, and I'm not talking about the faux ones that are on your phone, but like you sit down on the couch, the ones your mom threatened to show your naked baby pics to your girlfriend or boyfriend, and you sit down on the couch and you flip through the old photos. I remember my parents have a ton of books, photo albums, and you can category their life. You can see when they were just dating, when they were engaged, married, what a handsome young lad I was as a baby. Nothing, huh? All right, well. (laughs) But if you think about it, it really is incredible that that we have, I don't even know how it works or how it happens. There's science and stuff, but, and then you have today where we have photo albums too, but they're in the cloud or on our phones or whatever. And, and I put my mom's photo albums to shame. I've got tens of thousands of pictures. I can document my entire life a day at a time, and it practically costs me nothing. In fact, there's a, there's a guy who did that. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a guy who took his picture every single day for like 10 years or something like that and then sped it up and watched himself grow for 10 years. Pretty incredible. And you've probably been in a situation before where you're somewhere that, that uh, having a good time with friends or family and you want to keep that moment. So what do you do? Pull out your phone. Let's take a group picture. And you want everybody to be in the, in the picture, so you get somebody, a passerby, hey, could you take our picture? And you got the person, they grab the phone, and, and, they, and they, they, they hit the button a few times, and they hand it back and walk away, and you look at it, and they're blurry, and the disproportion, not framed correctly, and you, and you think to yourself, wow, well, you look at the picture and you think, it could have been such a good picture if they would have just let things come into focus, spent a little bit more time. Think of how pictures originated. They would come out with these suitcases, right? Have you seen the old movies? They come out with these suitcases and, and heavy and, and multiple and then they set it up with a tripod and it's this huge contraption with a big lens and they have a blanket over their head and it takes lots of time for them to, to make sure that it's right so that the picture can be seen and it can be preserved. They take their time to bring things into Focus. I follow an account. This is a freebie for you guys. I follow an account on Instagram called History Picks Colored. And they go and they take these old black and white photos. And with the technology that we have today, they put color on them. They make them colored photographs. And it really brings them to life. It looks incredible. But again, somebody's taking time to make something come into focus. And today, because we're just settling in on these two verses that we just read, we're just going to spend the entire service on these two verses. I really want to encourage you, the purpose and the reason that we're doing that is so that we can really intentionally focus on what he's saying. We can really allow it to settle a little more than than maybe it normally does or usually does. 
These eight points are these eight things that Paul tells the Philippians to meditate on, focus on. Don't be moving so quickly. Don't be planning to go to the next thing before the last thing's even finished. Do you do that? I do that. I'm planning the next thing I'm going to do before I'm even done with the, the last thing. It's exhausting. But sometimes we just need to stop and settle down and focus on what we have. My son just turned 13 years old. I feel like it was, I literally feel like it was yesterday that I was holding him in my arms in the hospital. Things just happen so quickly. With God's word, don't take it lightly. With these two verses, let's let them settle. Let's consider what the Lord has for us to look at this morning and look at these eight things that he tells us to meditate on in the Philippian church. Number one, number one, if you're taking notes, finally, brethren, this is a real finally, you know, like not like the finalies I say finally and then go on for another half hour. I don't ever do that, but he's wrapping things up. In conclusion, finally, brothers, whatever things are true, Whatever things are true, talking about meditation, think about the things that you know in life that are true, and the contrast to that would be what? The lies. We spend too much time thinking about the things that are not true, giving ourselves over to a lie, a deception that is meant to take us from living in the truth and let me tell you something, God's word is truth. If you don't know what the truth is, crack it open. This is true. Meditate on the things that you know that are true. The enemy is the one that comes in who lies, kills, steals, and destroys. That's what he wants to do to your life. So he introduces subtly a lie. And he says, hey, I want you to think about this. Yeah, maybe I will think about that as no place in my life isn't truth, is contrary to the truth. And before you know it, you've created this scenario in your head that has nothing to do with the truth that God wants abiding in your life. It all started in the beginning. When I have a question about how things begin, I, I go to the beginning Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed say, has God indeed said, You shall not eat of the tree of the garden? This is the lie. The truth is, God said, You can eat any of, of the trees except this one. And, and the question, the seed of doubt that he planted in Eve's head was, has God really said? And this is how the enemy comes in to deceive us, to plant those seeds. The question is, has God really said? That's not that important. It's not that big of a deal. The seed of doubt is planted, 
and then you start to entertain a lie, which is contrary to the truth. And what does it say in the next few verses that Eve said? It looks pretty. It, it's nice to look at. It's, it's appealing. It, it might taste good because the lie was planted. Don't live in the lies of the enemy. It was in the promised land that God over and over again said that I have good inheritance for you. And whenever they questioned his goodness, whenever they questioned his word, whenever they wavered in the promises, they didn't receive that which was to be granted to them. Think on what you know is truth. Think on what you know is true. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and 23 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. God says, my wrath is to reveal from heaven because there's a bunch of liars that are suppressing my truth. And those who are influenced by the enemy... Those who are not willing to submit to God are those kinds of people who look for ways, and I know that you can see this, they look for ways to suppress the truth so that it's not clear, so that people ask questions that are unnecessary. Look at verse 23. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. They exchanged the truth of God for what? A lie. Some lies. The lie. What's the lie? I would say... The lie is, has God really said? Everything that we go through in life, every problem, every hardship, every good season, everything can be filtered through God's word and can be connected to God's word. We can be blessed by living, abiding, remaining in the truth. Don't focus on the lies, guys. Do you understand what that means? Do you understand what the lies of the enemy are? When he tries to deceive you into thinking you'd be happier if you just indulged the flesh, that you'd be happier in a different relationship, that you'd be happier by taking care of yourself instead of serving others, that you'd be in a better place over and over and over again. But Jesus said, you can't really experience life unless you lose yours, unless you give up what you think you need. You, to experience the goodness of God, it's necessary for that to happen. Whatever things are true. Number two, whatever things are noble. Our point for whatever things are noble is Worthy of respect. That's nobility. Something that's worthy of respect. And I like that idea. You know, do, how often do you give yourself, uh, how, how often do you look at something that, 
and give yourself to something that's not worthy of your respect. But let that sink in for a second. Give yourself to things. Give your thinking, your meditation to things that are worthy of your respect. I like to think of this as influences. What what are the influences in your life? And do you give yourself over to bad influences? Listen, those bad influences are not worthy of your respect. Give yourself over to good influences? Those things are noble. Those things are worthy of your respect. Friendships, family relationships, church relationships, those things are worthy of of your respect. Dirty music, dirty movies, dirty thinking. Those things are not worthy of your respect. They're not noble. Don't give yourself over to them. Meditate on this. Things that are noble. Things that are worthy of your respect. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. I love this psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You know, there's a study that, that, that came out that says that you are, the sum of, you are the sum of the three people that you hang out with the most. It says surround yourself with people that are, that are a positive influence. If you surround yourself with people that are a negative influence, no matter how much you think you can change them, you're going to be the sum of those people that you hang out with. You can't say, I'm going to save him, I'm going to save her, I'm going to change them. The reality is to whatever degree you think you can change them, they're already changing you. 1 Corinthians says that bad company corrupts good character or morals. There's a slowly a breaking down. Ah, that's not that. Well, you know, nothing's bad. Nothing bad's happening in their life and they've given themselves over to this and that. We'll just wait for a little bit and see that something bad is going to come because they've given themselves over to that. Because do not be deceived. There it is again, the lie. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows or a woman, you girls thought you got out of that one. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. If he sows to the flesh, he'll reap corruption. If he sows to the spirit, he'll reap everlasting life. And do not grow weary in doing good. For in due season you will reap if you do not lose heart. Whether to the good or to the bad, a time is coming when the results are going to come in. And it's going to be made manifest and clear the things that we gave ourselves over to. Take inventory. Look at the influences that are in your life. and Change them so that you can meditate on those things which are worthy of your respect. Number three, whatever things are just. And for our point for for whatever things are just, we have what's done right, correctly. We We would say righteousness means what is done right. 
Acts chapter 10, verse 34 through 38. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. Can I get a amen? Does, say God shows no partiality. You know, thankfully, thank God that he shows no partiality because if he showed partiality, I wouldn't be here today. I'm not the kind of person that he would pick if he showed partiality. You wouldn't be here probably. Some of you might. But God shows no partiality. Who who is Peter saying this to? Peter is saying this to a Roman soldier, the occupying enemy of Israel. Let's see what happens. In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Every nation, not even any nation, every nation. Whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Do you know this is a simple principle that you can find in the book of Proverbs? If you'd like, you can go check it out. It's over and over and over again. If you fear God, you will do what's right. If you fear God, you'll do what's right. If you do not fear God, if there's not a reverence and and an actual living of life of God exists and he does see me and he does is going to hold me accountable. If you don't fear him, you're not going to do what's right. But if you fear him, you are going to do what's right. And this man feared God. So he was just. He did what was right. And this is God's response to that. Not because of his righteousness. Not because he was good. But because God shows no partiality. And this man was a fearer of God. God reveals himself to him. Whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Accepted by God. The the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how John anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by by the devil, for God was with him. This isn't about... Cornelius' righteousness. This is about God showing no partiality and blessing a man who wanted to know who he was by revealing himself to him, to Cornelius, the answer being Jesus Christ. That's the answer. You want to know who God is? You have to go through Jesus. And he says this is the process that even he went through. This is what Peter says. This is the process everybody has to go through. Then skipping down to Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 46. While Peter, I love this verse. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came to Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Oh man. Peter's in the process of preaching the gospel. And I love, 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 love this about this verse. 
This is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the Gentiles. It had happened previously at Pentecost with the Jews. But this is what I love about this verse. Do you want to know what? Peter doesn't say, okay, everybody, I'm wrapping up. I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to open your heart to Jesus. No, he doesn't do that. He's preaching the word, and before they can even respond, the Holy Spirit falls on them. And are they saved? The Holy Spirit can't fall on them unless they're repentant. Unless they're in a place in their heart of saying, I need you, Jesus. Now, I, I, I poke fun. I'm being a little facetious about the altar call. Every once in a while, I will give you an opportunity to respond. The reality is, nowhere in the New Testament does Jesus not perform a miracle on somebody's behalf without requiring a response from them. He's not like, hey, dude, check your right hand out. Whoa, it's fine. Or, or hey, hey, just the, the blind guy, hey, close your eyes and open them. Whoa, I can see. Well, still, that would be a command, wouldn't it? He says, stretch out your right hand. There has to be an action. He says, pick up your mat and walk. He says, let me, let me rub this mud in your eyes. Whatever the case is, the people are always required to respond, okay? So we do the, the hand raising or the altar call, not for my benefit or for my sake, but confirming something that should have already happened in your heart, something that already happened in your head. It doesn't happen at the action. It happens beforehand. The, the action is to confirm. It's a manifestation of a decision that's already been made. The Holy Spirit falls. On a Roman soldier who was the occupying enemy of Israel at that time. But what was the difference with this guy? How was he different than other people? He feared God, and he did what was right. This is not a motivation by me to you to do right things. It's motivation to you to think about right things instead of thinking about wrong things. Meditate on that. Focus on the things that are right, the things that are just, instead of the things that are unjust. Number four, whatever things are pure, our description for whatever things are pure is untainted. You can see there at the bottom, untainted. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 26, the, thought, the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant. This is really interesting because we're talking about thinking, right? Meditating, focusing. And this verse says two things. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination of the Lord. Does that mean God knows what I think? God knows everything. God knows everything. Yeah, you can't understand that. But the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to him. Even before the action. But then look at, look at this. But the words of the pure are pleasant. Because the words of the pure are good words, and it's something that they thought about, that they've intended to say beforehand for good purposes. I 
just have to say, this has been one of my best summers in Las Vegas since I've ever been here, since I've lived here. I was born here. It's one of my best summers. Do you know why? It's the first time that I purposed in my heart, I shared this with you guys before, it's the first time that I purposed in my heart not to pronounce curses against the summer, but to pronounce blessings. I know that that sounds weird, but it gives you a different perspective. Instead of walking out, and I would do it all the time. You guys go look back at our previous summer videos on YouTube for the church. I would curse the summer <laughs> every Sunday. Sorry you guys have to live here. Me too. <laughs> that was terrible. Instead of saying, oh, I hate it here. I hate the heat in the summer. My friends think that, I, that, that, I'm, that I'm funny because I walk outside and it's really hot on those days where it's just like, oh, I'm just like, oh, that feels so good. Whew. It was cold in there, man. You know, I get a better temperature going, you know. My perspective's changed. My attitude is more pleasant. Whatever things are pure, untainted, there was this little exercise, some of you may know, some of you may not know, but there's this little exercise that I've seen pastors do it. It's more popular with youth leaders or youth pastors where they would go home and they would uh, get the, all the ingredients out and, and cook up a batch of chocolate chip cookies or cook up a batch of brownies to take to the kids at church. And they would get there and they would have this big plate of cookies or this big plate of brownies. Have, has anybody ever heard this before? And, oh, good, this is new then. So they, they say, we got you guys these cookies. And the, and the youth are like, oh, yeah, we love cookies. And, and they grab them and, and they start eating them together. And, and, and the, the, the youth pastor is not eating any. And he's, he's going on, well, this is what I put in the sugar, and I put in the flour, and I put in more sugar, and I put in chocolate, and, I, and then my dog came over and did a little poopy on, and I just, a little, just a little piece, so I picked it up and put it in, and stirred it all together, and, you know, mixed it up real good, and then put it in the oven, and, and, and made these, and their faces, you know, turn white, Ugh. and it's usually to illustrate how a little sin in our lives affects the whole of the life. It doesn't matter if it's a little bit. It's, it's not belonging in chocolate chip cookie dough, right? It's tainted now. It's undefiled. It's defiled, not undefiled. Glad I caught that. It's, it's not what it's meant to be. Sometimes we let our thoughts trickle in. We can have pure thoughts. We can have right thoughts. We can be thinking the right things. And then there's these little thoughts that taint the good things that we should be meditating on. And before you know it, a little leaven leavens a whole lump. You got a whole batch of thoughts. And you think to yourself, how did I even get here? And that's why it's necessary to take Every thought captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus. How did I get here? Have you ever done that before? Like you just, there's a, you come up with this scenario in your head and you're like, how did I just murder that person in my mind? I, I, I'm sorry, i just be honest with you. I, I can allow myself to go there to, to be like, man, I just wish that they would fall off a cliff. Because... 
of, of the taintedness. Don't allow yourself to allow those little things to slip in and influence your thinking. Continue and focus on meditating, thinking about those things which are pure. Number five, whatever things are lovely. Meditate, think about those things that are lovely. Do you know what lovely is? Lovely. Lovely. Love? Those things which you love? Those things which are good. To help illustrate this, what's the contrast to love? Hate. Stop thinking about the things that you don't like and start thinking about the things that you do. Stop thinking about the ways that God is against you and start thinking about the ways that God is for you. Because we can all do that where we give ourselves, we submit ourselves, give ourselves over to those things which we don't like. And I am so guilty of this. This is one of the, the most wonderful, wonderful things about being married to my wife. I'm glad I get to use her so regularly in sermon illustrations. Is that she, when we got married, she would drive me up a tree. She would make me so mad because here I am, just confiding in my wife, you know, the only person I can share how I really feel. Here I am confiding in my wife, and she always flipped it on me and said, you know what, Tim, maybe they didn't mean that. You know what, Tim, maybe they don't think that. You know what, Tim, maybe they had a bad day. I'm just, just let me be mad. Let me hate. Let me be frustrated and angry. Well, you know, and I'm like, your name, I'm going to change your name from Grace to something else, because I don't like all this grace all the time. There's got to be justice and righteousness, too. There's a joke that she's grace and I'm truth. <laughs> but it softened me over the years. And I start to have interactions with people. And, and because of her influence, I start to think, you know, maybe they're struggling with something right now I don't know about. Maybe it's not personal. Maybe they didn't direct that at me, no matter how I feel. Lovely. Lovely? Those things that you can think about that are pleasant. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a good illustration of how we can be or meditate on things that are lovely. Love suffers long and is kind. I love how he put those two together. I can suffer long, but I'm not going to be nice about it. No, no, no. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Meditate on things that are lovely. Love doesn't envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked. I have to admit, that's something I'm guilty of. And you know how I know my, my wife really loves me? is because I try to provoke her on a daily basis. And this is one of the things that, it's, it's kind of like a game. It's for fun. So don't think I'm a big jerk or something. But I just like poker, you know, push her buttons. And especially when we were newly wed, I would, I would you know, 
poker. And, and I, I don't do it as much anymore, even though, you know, some, she, we do it like as a, as a game, like we both think it's funny. But, but she, you know how she, she would respond to me when I would provoke her? Anybody want to guess? She wouldn't. She wouldn't do anything, no matter what I did to her, no matter what I said to her, I can never get her riled up. I'm like, this isn't even any fun. <laughs> Love's not provoked. She knows I'm messing around. Now, that's not exactly what that means, but I just wanted to share that with you. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Oh, man. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. There's a lot of things, church. There's a lot of things that we can talk about. And there's a lot of people who are on this anti-love bandwagon for some reason. I don't know what the deal is. Like, the Bible's not all about love. We need to stop. The Bible's all about love. Listen, if God is a God, uh, is, is impartial, and he so pursued us, yes, God is just, and we should consider that as well. God is righteous, and we need to be in a place where we fear God. We're in the place that we are today because of his love. And thank God, thank you, God, that love never fails. Whatever things are lovely, not the things that you don't like. Think about those things that you, the blessings that you do have. Number six, you guys keeping up? <clears throat> Whatever things are of good report. Man, I love, the Bible's so timeless, isn't it? I hate, now look at me, I just told you not to hate, to focus on love, but I put this here on purpose for shock value. <laughs> I hate the shock value of news. You know, it's always been around. The big headline, you know, tragedy strikes again. Nowadays, with modern technology, we have even a term for it. It's called clickbait. It means there's something that's said so shocking that you have to click on the article so somebody gets money to read it and find out how it went or even a video, and the thing that it said happens in the video, you're not going to believe it, never even happened. They just want you to watch that video. And I feel violated after that. I just don't like the shock value of news. I was reading the news uh, uh, not too long ago, and this was the headline, Cameron Boyce dead. You guys know that Cameron Boyce passed away, a famous uh, Disney actor, young guy. He was, I think, 20 or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but Cameron Boyce, you know, young guy. Wants to get my attention, wants to get me to click. Cameron Boyce dead. That doesn't sound pleasant, but it seems like we take so much more pride in communicating bad news <laughs> than we do good news. 
And, and how refreshing is that person that you know you're going to talk to who's going to have something nice to say? There's going to be two responses. You're either looking forward to it. Oh, I can't wait to talk to so-and-so. I'm sure they're going to have something nice to say. Or I don't want to talk to them. They're always in a good mood. <laughs> and I'm always grumpy. Meditate on the good reports, on the good news. Give the good news to people. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, one of our life verses when we were missionaries on the mission field, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. How beautiful is that? Beautiful feet? What does that mean? It took some kind of effort to get there. And for you and for me today, it's going to take some kind of effort to look at the good in what's happening around us because we've got a whole lot of bad. But be the person who will travel, who will go the distance to deliver the good news, to give a good report to people. And, and ultimately, the greatest news the possibility of reconciliation to God through Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, if you have nothing good to say, you can talk about that. Because that's good news. And look at the descriptives here. Not only are, are they a, a good news bringer, but they are peace proclaimers. Glad tidings of good things who proclaim salvation, not death. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 30. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones healthy. I like that verse. I want glad tidings. I want good things to say. And yeah, maybe good things aren't always happening to you. Maybe bad things are happening. But I've purposed in my heart that when somebody asks me how I'm doing, I give them the good report before I give them the bad report. You know how the old saying goes. You want the good news first or the bad first? Always give the good first. You can be real. You can be honest with the season that you're in and the struggles you have. But always give the good first to set yourself up your perspective will be changed. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart and a good report makes the bones healthy. Do you know when somebody gives you bad news, how do you feel? Well, you may feel bad. Sometimes it's real. I feel sick. Oh, I feel like I'm going to throw up. That was terrible. That was bad. How about when somebody gives you good report, a good news? Oh, wow. That's great. I'm relaxed. Don't be in a perpetual state of sickness or illness because all we want to do is talk about the bad news. Consider, think about these things, whatever things are of good report, and deliver that to others. Number seven, if there's any virtue, if there's any virtue, for virtue I have here character, 2 Peter verse. Uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 8 says, As his divine power <clears throat> excuse me, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, 
by which you have been, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I love to break that down this morning and talk about that some more. Add to your faith virtue, character, I asked Grace what she thought about that verse. We talk about the Bible studies and verses that we're reading. I asked her what she thought about that verse, and this is what she said. Peter talks about the calling that we have been called to, a life of exceeding excellent fruitfulness by his glory and virtue. Virtue in itself is something that is foreign to our nature because none of us are morally, morally excellent. Apart from the holiness of Jesus, we live in a world that is debased and broken, far from the excellence it was created to be. However, we do not need to focus on the debased and broken. I thought that, that was an excellent response to this verse. You alone know what's really inside. And God, <laughs> I may not. You know your true character. Be careful. Don't be spewing too much stuff because people will find out if you keep running your mouth what kind of character you are or what kind of character you have. Number eight. If there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, Anything praiseworthy, our, our word for praiseworthy here is, is positive. Yes, it's good to be positive. I've already shared this with you before, and I shared it with you a little bit earlier. I inherently was a negative person, especially before I became a believer in Jesus Christ, before I got saved. Everybody was out to get me. Nobody could do anything that was pleasing to me. I was just a negative person. Jesus changed my life in helping me to look at things through the positive lens. Think of the good stuff. Have you ever heard it said, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all? And we say that to our kids, but maybe sometimes we should say it to each other. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. It can be easy for us to focus on the negative, easy to see the things that are frustrating and fall short. However, we seem to have a hard time sometimes finding things to say they are po- that are finding things to say they are positive. If we want to be people that have joy flowing from our lives, we need to allow the Lord to train our eyes and hearts to see what can be praised, what can be uplifting. Now, there's people in the world. And there's even people in the church that, that they have this doctrine of, of uh, pronouncing or speaking blessings. And if you, if you say things, they're going to happen. Now, I, I think that I want to definitely make sure that, that that is not what I'm saying, but there is power in the words that you use. 
And I believe the Bible teaches us as well that if, that if you want to speak blessings to people and situations, that your per- perspective is going to change. If you're always looking at the negative side of things and, and you're filled with negativity, that's going to be reflected as well. We are not supposed to be Eeyore Christians. Better luck next time. I'm all right. Positive. Think of all of the things that God desired to give to humankind from the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, to the end of Revelation. He's always seeking to give them blessings and inheritance, goodness. What did he say? He created the world and it was good. It was good six times. It was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. And then he created man and it was very good. And God says, I want you to move into the realm of goodness. I want you to move forward in positivity, into my blessings, into the good things that I have for you. And for some reason, so many people are trying to run in the opposite direction. I'm always going to be miserable. Well, probably with that attitude. Now, I understand that we go through hardship. I definitely understand that we deal with difficulty. And I'm not saying that I'm exempt from that. I have gone through very difficult seasons in my life. But I've always been blessed through the process abundantly more when I looked at it through God's purposes being fulfilled and that He was good and working all things together for good because I love Him than when I was negative and buying into the lies of the enemy. It was always more difficult, more frustrating, longer, and miserable. That goes back to lies and truth. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22 says, A merry heart does good, like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Again, I guess connected to the the good report thing. What do you expect to receive when you talk to certain people? (laughs) Oh, boy, here we go. I wonder what it is this time. So I love my in-laws. I have some of the best in-laws, seriously, on the planet. My brother, Chris, who married my older sister, this guy is a rock star. Every time something happens to my pool pump, I call him up. And I say, hey, uh, sorry, bro, my pool pump broke again. And instead of paying exorbitant fees for a repairman to come out, he comes to my house as soon as he's available and repairs it for me. Last week, we're getting ready to go out of town for a couple days with Grace's parents. And five minutes before we get into the truck, and this always happens to me, It's like the enemy still pushes my buttons. I don't know, but I don't respond the way that I used to. Literally five minutes before the truck was turned on, we were getting ready to drive out of the driveway. I walk around to check the basket in the pool, you know, the little cleaner basket, this this, whatever. I took the lid off, and I took all the nasty stuff out, put the put the lid back on, and to do that, I had to turn the pool pump off and turn it back on. So I turned it off, got the stuff out, put the lid on, turned it back on, and it went, "Eh." that was it wouldn't go. And then I did it again. Eh, eh. 
so it's stuck. It's not going. And then I left it on longer. Maybe it'll, you know, maybe it'll get the juices flowing and it'll start because I need this thing running for the next three days so that my pool doesn't turn green while we're gone. And then it blew the fuses. And I thought, okay, hey, babe, guess we're not going. We're staying here. That's what I said to her because I'm a dummy. So I get my phone and I, and I hit Chris, you know, and phone ringing. He answers the phone. What does he say? Your pool pump broke, Tim? It's literally what he said to me. I'm like, oh, man. Chris, I love you. There's certain people that you expect. You know what to expect from them. And, and if you can identify for yourself what other people can expect to get when they talk to you, let's try to change that. You know what? Look at it from a different perspective this week. Try to give them the good report before the bad report. Be positive. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. And I don't want to be redundant. I've heard some people say, not in our church, but in other places, that, that you don't make the same points over again that you made through a sermon, but I don't care what they say. We're going to look at these eight in closing so that we can put them all together like a big, fat, juicy sandwich, and we can feast on it. Because what are we doing this morning? Focus, all right? So wrapping things up in conclusion, let's look at these eight things that we're going to meditate on this week about our thinking. Whatever things are true... Not the lies. Guys, don't buy into the lies. The lies produce death. Number two, whatever things are noble, think about those things that are worthy of your respect. Think about those influences in your life that push you in certain directions to make certain kinds of decisions. Don't give anything that is unworthy of your respect, any brain power or time. Number three, whatever things are just, what's done right? Whatever things are pure, untainted, unadulterated. People used to, you know, I used to say, I don't say it very much anymore, I, I, I might start again, but people used to ask me, hey, how do you take your coffee? I'd say, unadulterated, please. Okay. Because when you put anything in coffee, it adulterates it. It's supposed to be from the pureness of the bean. <laughs> Whatever things are pure, untainted. Whatever things are lovely, lovely, lovely. Whatever things are of good report, the good news. Everybody's talking about the bad news. Be a, be a rebel. <laughs> Go against the grain. Talk about the good news. Give the good report. Number seven, any virtue, character. Number eight, anything praiseworthy. Those things that are positive. Yeah, you can think about the negative things, but think about the things that are positive. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, you are wonderful in your instruction to us. So change life changing to 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 sit in your word and feast on your truth 
and how much more abundant life is when we give ourselves over to truth instead of buying into the lie. Pray for my brothers and sisters, Father, this week. Those who are traveling, Lord, uh, for the summer and vacations, for traveling mercies. For these who are here, that you, that you would renew their minds. Help us go into this week, not just having gone to church this week, but to take your word and to sow it deep, to meditate on it, to meditate on these things so that we could be people that properly represent you. We love you, God. I pray a special blessing on my brothers and sisters today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.